right, grab your Bible and turn with me to John chapter 15. We're going to be looking at John 15 as we are in our sixth week of this series that's been entitled, I Am. The seven I Am statements that Jesus makes in the Gospel of John that are important to us. We've been seeing that when Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? It's a question that he feels like is important for us to continue to grow, to continue to be discipled by him. When he says, who am I to you? He doesn't give this test without giving us the answers. He says, I'm telling you who I am. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the light of the world. And today we're going to begin to see what he says to us. I am the true vine. I, I think this is one of my favorite chapters of all of the Bible. And, and I struggle saying that because I have a hard time with favorites. Because I just got too many favorites. You know, someone asked me uh, not too long, what's your favorite movie? I, I can't do that. It's too hard. How do you pick between Hoosiers and Rudy? I mean, you can't do that. They're, they're on their own, own level. And so to have a favorite, it's hard for me to have a favorite. But I don't know, this is, this is close because there's so much here. And here's, here's why it's one of my favorite chapters. What we're going to read through together, we're just going to go verse by verse. We're just going to walk through and let Jesus be the master teacher today, amen? We're here to hear from him, not from any one person. We're here to hear from him. As we walk through this, we'll begin to see that Jesus gives us a compass. He says, I want to show you what this awesome life with me could and should look like. So let's, with that intent, look at John 15. We'll go through the first eight verses, then we'll come back and get the the next eight verses in in a few minutes. John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me i am the vine you are the branches if a man remains in me and i in him he will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing if anyone does not remain in me he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned if you remain in me and my words remain in you ask whatever you wish and it will be given you This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus, I thank you for how you have already ministered to our hearts today. Lord, once again, we come to you and we ask that you will breathe on your words. You will speak to us what it is you want us to hear today. Lord, we are saying yes to you before we know what it is you're going to put your thumb on. Would you not just stir us today, would you bring about the change that you want to see in our hearts? With that I say, amen and amen. So what is Jesus saying? As we just walk through these verses here, if if we don't begin to see what he is saying as he's using this illustration, as he's teaching, we could miss some things and we could get all confused and we don't need to do that because he makes it pretty simple. He, He clarifies with some terms here and he says that the vine is me, Jesus says, the vine is Jesus. And then he tells us in these first eight verses that the branches, that's you, that's me, that's the Christians, that's the disciples, that's those who are following after him. And the gardener is the father. 
He spells it out. He doesn't leave it for, for interpretation. He doesn't try to give this riddle. He says, this is what it is. I am the vine, you are the branches, and the Father is the gardener. And he goes on as he's giving this very simple, very clear picture of what it's like for him to be the true vine. He's telling us who he is and our relationship to him. He tells us that the life of the vine is the exact same life of the branch. In other words, your life source, your strength, your power, what drives you should be the very same life source that is in Jesus. What empowers Jesus, what strengthens Jesus, what keeps him going is he's, the life that comes from the Father is to go through Jesus and it's to come into you. There's no dual life source. This is not, well, this is how Jesus is fueled and then you're fueled some other way. Or you're kind of a hybrid. Well, I get some from Jesus and something. No, no. He says, hey, I am the true vine. You are the branch. That sap, that life source will flow through me into you. That's where your strength comes from. And then he moves on and tells us that the purpose of every branch is to bear fruit. It's simple. Not always easy, but simple. To, to bear fruit. Now remember, you don't grit your teeth, hold your breath, and, and, and flex your muscles to try to bear fruit. It's the life-giving spirit of God in you that enables you to bear fruit. And it's this relationship of us, the branches in the vine, that Jesus is wanting us to understand. So when we say... Who is Jesus to me? Why should I be so concerned about who Christ is in my daily life? He says, I am the vine. You're the branches. The very life that you live has to be connected to me. You'll wither or die if you don't have it. The fruit, your purpose in life, will not happen by your effort, by your skill set, by your work ethic, by your intellect. It will only happen by his power. That's what the Lord is saying. So he's, he's telling us, and, and, then, and then he talks about the role of the gardener. It should never be our goal as Christians. I think sometimes we feel, if, I, if I'm a good boy, if I'm a good girl in church, then the gardener will never ever have to cut on me. No! He never expected you to never need pruning. And, and so we shouldn't try to live our life avoiding the knife of the gardener. If there's any offshoot, if there's any distraction or thing that's not producing health, he will cut it off. And so we shouldn't be prideful and say, I, I never need Jesus to cut on me. I never need the Father to cut on me. I never need the gardener to do that. No, no, no. Cut on me, Lord. Cut it out. That thought, cut it out. I'm waiting on him to cut this out. You know, anybody have something like that you want him to cut it out? But the, the things that, that we don't need, cut that out, Lord. Take it away from me if it's not producing what you want. So in these first eight verses... Look in your device, look in your Bible. You can see right there what he is saying in this illustration. But I'm so thankful that Jesus doesn't stop there. He doesn't say, now, that's how it should be. Go figure it out. I mean, that's a lot of talk about knives and plant life and sap and all this. What do I do with that? Well, he doesn't leave us there. He takes us farther. It's not a riddle that we have to try to crack. He shows us how to stay connected. He shows us how to abide. He shows us how to reside in Him. Look with me at the next eight verses, starting at verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. That's going to be important. We're going to come back to that. Verse 10. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy, my joy, may be in you 
and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. What? Everything I have learned from my father I've made known to you. It's one of those verses. Do we believe that? Is, is he doing that? Is he telling you things from the Father? Let's read on. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Now let's, let's walk through this next little section of Scripture here and begin to see in Jesus' words, he gives us the compass. He says, this is exactly how you follow me in this. He didn't leave it up to chance. He's not trying to get you to be tricked and figure it out on your own. He says, look, look, look. This is how you stay connected to the true vine. I am the true vine. You are the branch. The Father is the gardener. My life source should be your life source. The purpose is for you to bear fruit that only you can have through me. Now let me tell you how it's going to work. Let me show you what it should look like. First, he says, abide or remain in his love. Look at verse 9 in your device or your Bible there. Look at it. Jesus says it starts by us abiding, remaining, staying connected in his love. This branch-vine relationship is rooted in his deep love for us. It's so important for us to catch this this morning. He didn't say, remain in my wrath. He didn't say, remain in my judgment. He didn't say, remain in me waving my finger at you and all. He says, hey, remain in my love. Yes, there's judgment. Yes, there's other things. But but look, it, it starts, it's rooted in my deep love for you. I am the vine. You are the branch. Remain in my love. That's where it starts. He's calling you as his follower to be connected, to be grafted in to him at the point of his love for you. Well, let's read on. I think it's cool that he shows us, well, how do you do that? How do I remain in your love? That sounds good. Keep and obey my commands, Jesus says. We keep and obey his commands. If we thought that abiding in the vine was some kind of mystical, some kind of slippery relationship, his example by obeying the Father shows us exactly what it should look like. Let's just park there for a minute. Jesus spells it out so clearly, so simply for us, that you and I must obey him to stay connected to him. I think of the many people who I've talked with over the years who've come to me and said, you know, Brady, I, I don't feel God the way that other people feel God. I don't, I don't see his power moving in my life the way I, I read about other places. I don't, I don't sense that the Lord is answering any prayer that I pray, not, not, not let alone just one, but any of the prayers I pray. Lord, I, I just I feel this distance from God. Friends, an overwhelming majority of the time, not all the time, but an overwhelming majority of the time, the issue is this. I, I am to remain in his love by keeping and obeying his commands. I don't feel God. Have I obeyed God? I don't sense that he's speaking to me. Have I already said no to what he's already said? So many times we say, Lord, I need your direction on on item C. Tell me, Lord, what to do with item C. 
He's saying nothing. And the Lord says, you still haven't done what I told you with item B yet. Why would I tell you what to do with item C until you've been obedient with item B? In fact, when you obey over here, you may see that that already takes care of itself. And so Jesus is saying, hey, it starts in my love. It's connected in my love. How do you stay there? Obey me. Obey what I'm telling you. In just about every one of these cases, it's, it's an example of where we maybe thought obedience was not that important. Now, now listen, Jesus was clear. He didn't say, complete my commands. You, you fill them out. You round them off. You, you make them better. He didn't say, memorize my commands. It's as important as that is. That's not what he's saying here. He didn't say, it's about how much you have memorized of my commands. I'm not saying Bible memory is bad. That's not what he tells us to do. Just go memorize my commands. He didn't say, now look at my commands as a loose guideline and follow the bell curve. That's not what he says either. He says, obey my command. Friend, if you or I are not walking in total obedience, we are walking in defiance. From the moment that the Lord speaks to when we obey, this and here is lag time. And so spiritual growth is not how your prayers rhyme or how much you have memorized. Here's spiritual growth. It's simply this. Jesus speaks, you obey faster and faster and faster. As this lag time shortens, that is us getting stronger in the faith. And he says, you stay in my love when you obey my commands. Now, this isn't some kind of a mental game that we play with ourselves, where we just say, Jesus asks you to, I ask you to forgive me of my sin, and then we just plan on doing it the next night. Come to the end of our day, and, and we just say, now I lay me down to sleep, Lord. I ask you to forgive me of all the bad things I did today, and the things I'm planning on doing bad tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow night at the same time to confess those. That's not what it is. It's not this idea that some of us pick up that, you know what, God and I, we're good. You know what, God just loves forgiving. I love that about God. He just loves to forgive, 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 and I just love to sin. And so I'm just going to sin, 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 sin. He's going to forgive, 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 forgive. We are a match made perfectly. In fact, the Lord says, no, no, no. If you love me, you will obey me. I get it. So it's conditional love. Jesus says, you do what I want or else. No, no, no. He says, listen, guys, every time I say don't, He's saying, I don't, it's going to hurt you or someone else. I don't want you in pain. Every time he says, do this, he's saying, if you do this, it will bless you or someone else. And he's saying, when you remain in my love, my covering, what I have for you, it will bless you. If you go out from under, under that, I love you enough, I'm not going to force you, but you're on your own. And he says, if you obey me, if you keep my commands, you remain in my love. Let's go on to verse 11. Now, there's a new word, a new concept introduced in this chapter right here. Verse 11. It tells us, that we are to allow his joy to continually make our joy full. I love this part. It's not about your joy. It's not about how joyful you feel. It's his joy that speaks to your joy. How many of you have the joy of the Lord today? If we remain in him, he'll remain in us, and, and we'll keep his commands. He will give us his joy. Friends, your joy won't cut it. Sarah, it won't cut it. As, as happy and nice as you are, your joy, it's worthless. Ha-ha, worthless. His joy is worth so much. 
He will pour it into you. You'll begin to find there is something bubbling inside of me. It's not a personality trait. It's not some, some you know, extrovert, introvert thing. No, no, it's, it's his joy in you. He says, this is the way I've created it to be. Who am I to you, Jesus says? Am I your true vine? Am I your life source? Is your very energy what drives me? Are you bearing fruit? Are you obedient to me? Do you have my joy? He says, this is what it should be. This is what I'm asking. This is what I'm calling. He's telling his disciples, this is why I came. This is what I have for you. It will make your joy full. Abide in him. Remain in him. Live in him. Stay in his love. How? Obey and keep his commands. Then his joy will make your joy full. Now the next few verses in this passage here, verse 12 and 13, uh, it takes a shift. Before that, Jesus has been talking about himself, the vine, us, the branches, God, the Father, the gardener. But now he brings in some other characters into this scene. And we read in verse 12 and 13, look at it in your device, look at it in your Bible. Do you see a word? Do you see a phrase there? We talked about it in verse 9. It comes back. It's about love again. But this time, it's not just love of us and the Father or us and Jesus. It goes to somebody else. And we begin to see there's a very important truth here. Sometimes as Christians, we get so busy trying to figure out how they, that we should love God that we forget how to love others around us. We can get so focused on how we should love God that we forget that we need to love others around us. I had an aha moment the last week, week and a half on a passage of Scripture I'd read hundreds, felt like thousands of times. It's a passage where we find Mary and Martha and, and, and Jesus commends one and challenges the other. Martha's busy doing all kinds of tasks, prep, needed things, servant things. And Martha takes the time, or excuse me, Mary takes the time to sit at Jesus' feet. Martha's going doing the serving thing, and, and Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. And Jesus says, Mary chose better. <laughs> I didn't like that. So I try to do some word study, find a way around that. Because you know, I mean, serving is important and sitting at Jesus' feet is important. They're just as important. And so we shouldn't ostracize those who have gifts in serving and those who have a propensity to just sit at Jesus' feet. So we probably should soften this. But Jesus didn't. The more I study it, he says, it's better to sit at my feet. I'm kind of aggravated because I know there's a, a call to serve. So I put it in a shelf. If, if you ever find a scripture that drives you crazy, it doesn't make sense, don't just like sweep it under the rug. Put it on a shelf in your mind and ask Jesus to speak to it later. I've got a big shelf in my mind because there's not much brain space in there or something. I don't know, but I just stick verses in there and the Lord speaks to it. And this week I had an aha moment. The, the, the disconnect I was feeling was, well, I know that we need to sit at Jesus' feet. Yes, if we're not doing that, bad things happen. If I'm just going to serve Jesus and do things and do things and do things and never sit at Jesus' feet, it's all about me and it's, it's worthless. But sometimes if, if I find someone who just sits at Jesus' feet and they just sit at Jesus' feet and they never ever find themselves serving anybody, then they've never really listened to Jesus. They've fallen asleep. And the aha moment was Jesus said, hey, it's more important that you sit at my feet first. Why? Because I will tell you to get out of here and go love on somebody. Well, where'd you get that? Well, right here. Come back to our text. Let's look at this. And he says, you know what? In verse uh, 12 and 13, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Love somebody else. You see, the measure of our love for one another is that his love is flowing out of us. 
Let's let her be in your outline. It's his love flowing out of us. It's not Brady's love stirred up and made perfect. It's not Hans's love that's kind of just kind of shaped better and, oh, now Hans has so much better love. No, 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 no. It's the very love of Christ coming to us through the true vine, Jesus, into us as our strength, and it comes out of us on somebody else. Friend, if you don't sit at the feet of Jesus, all your serving will be in your own strength, and it's trash. If you sit at the feet of Jesus and you never ever go out and love anybody else and never impacts anybody else around you, then I ask you, have you fallen asleep at Jesus' feet? Because if he's pouring into you, it will ooze out. This is his words. This is what he's saying. If you don't like it, email him. Don't email me this week. Email him. (laughs) No, email me. I, I need a laugh. That's good. Our love, friends, won't cut it. We need his love. Remember this all started in verse 9 when, it said, when he said, remain in my love. It starts with his love and he calls us to go out in his love. Obedience is there, but it's wrapped in his love. His way, loving way, frees us from the tyranny of self. It frees us from crippling guilt. It focuses our thoughts on others, not on our own problems. It restrains us from our selfish desires. It comforts us by the Holy Spirit. He challenges us with his own example of compassion and patience. See, his power in our life will channel his love to flow through us. Now, as we're coming close to an end, not quite, but close. Sometimes, when Jesus asks us, who do you say that I am? And we say, well, you're the true vine. And then he may say, well, what's inside of you? Because if you're connected to me, if you're remaining in my love, you're obedient, I'm going to put my joy in you, I'm going to put my love in you, it should come out. But some of us, there may be something inside other than his love. I remember it was a number of years ago, my, my daughter, Caden, our daughter, Caden, turned 11, which is weird. I feel like she should be three or four, but parents, you know how that is. But I remember uh, as, as a young child, I, I must have made a promise to her uh, that in the morning we'd play because I was too tired. We'd go outside and play something, and it was probably a Saturday morning and so she came into our room early waking up with visions of us going out and wrestling in the backyard or playing something and she said dad it's morning it's time to play i said kaden not yet i'm not up yet you can crawl in bed with mom and i but i'm not getting up yet i need some time so she crawled in bed and she got like this close to my face she said dad is it time yet i said it is not time yet and without skipping a beat she goes oh dad your breath stinks so bad something inside you died and it's coming out honesty of our kids friends sometimes we need someone really honest in our life that doesn't ignore it but says what's coming out of your mouth stinks they're not trying to put you down just something inside is dead friend jesus never ever wanted you to try to figure out how to do this on your own it's simple hey hey Remain in my love. It starts with my deep love for you. You don't have to earn your way to me. You don't have to take so many classes. You don't have to do just just rest in my love and stay in my love. How? Obey what I tell you to. Well, then what? My joy will come into you and you will begin to love on others. But when we begin to see stinky stuff coming out of our mouth, we need to check ourselves and say, Lord, what is in me that's dead that you need to cut away, to prune away? Not me. I never need the knife. Why not? Cut away the bad stuff and let the life come out and there will be hope flowing out of you. Friend, you need someone to talk straight to you. A family member, a brother or sister will say, is the stinky stuff coming out really what is inside? 
don't let the enemy get you to stay stuck in guilt. Just start asking Jesus to displace it and cut it away. If we do that, in closing, there'll be some benefits that happen. There'll be some things that take place. The blessings of living this way come out. First, we come into a deeper, intimate relationship with Christ. I've, I've had some friends say, oh, Brady, you talk about growing deeper, you know, being tight with Jesus. Not everybody's going to do that, Brady. Not everybody wants to be a, that dedicated disciple. Not everybody wants to have that intimacy with the Lord. That's something down the road. That's good for pastors. That's good for a few saints. Friend, I love you. That's hogwash. Jesus just said, all of you, you're a branch. Everyone, me, you, we're branches. And either we have the life-giving sap of Jesus coming in us and coming through us, or we're withering. There is no, like, hybrid half-branch, half, I don't know, something else. No, no. He says, it's not there. And this isn't to try to, I think sometimes we resist that. We say, well, I'm not the scholarly type. Then don't be the scholarly type. I'm not the emotional type. Then don't be the emotional type. I'm not the outgoing type. Then don't be the outgoing type. None of that has anything to do with what Jesus is saying. He says, hey, remain in me and these blessings will come out. One of them is an intimate relationship with Christ. You see, the disciples were servants, but he wanted to elevate them to friends. Now, we need to remember that in the New Testament, as they're looking back on this Old Testament word here of servant, it had very positive connotations. Today, we don't have any positive connotations with, with a servant. But then they did. And so it's important to note that it wasn't a bad thing. They weren't moving from bad to good. It was moving from good to amazing. The word friend would have definitely shocked the disciples. Up to this point, the only person in Scripture referred to as a friend of God was Abraham. And now, Jesus is broadening the circle, inviting the disciples in. He's inviting you in. He says, hey, hey, you're not just going to be my servants. As good as that is, and that's a good thing, he says, you're going to be my friend. Because a servant doesn't know all the business of the master. It says, I will tell you all the things the Father tells me. Some. All. I'll tell you what he's telling me. You'll be in on what he is saying. And this is that friend level that God brings us in as we are in the vine with him. I love how Richard Foster writes these, I think, very important words for us. Superficiality is the curse of our age, Foster writes. The doctrine of instant satisfaction is a primary spiritual problem in the church of today. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or a greater number of gifted people, but for more deep people. See, Jesus was calling them to a deeper relationship with him. No longer were they just servants, though that wasn't bad. They were now friends because Jesus is talking to them, telling them what the Father is saying. Is the Lord speaking to you? One of my favorite questions to ask is, what is Jesus saying to you? Or what is Jesus teaching you lately? And I'm amazed sometimes when I talk to people who have self-proclaimed walk with the Lord for a long time, and you ask them, what is Jesus teaching you lately? They look at you like you just said, what planet are you from? Uh, huh? Huh? And I don't ask it to, to be obtuse or to try to, you know, judge anybody. I, I honestly want to know because it feeds my heart when I see what Jesus is telling you. He may be speaking to me. And, but, but why do we struggle with this? I think sometimes we miss the idea of what it means to be a dedicated follower of Jesus. It's not that I have to be some lofty person, but I am in Him, obedient to Him, listening to Him. In fact, that's what a discipleship relationship is all about. If you're here today and you say, you know, I, I'd like to journey with some people and 
and have some friends to help do this together, I'd like for you to talk with Carrie or I. I could help you either connect with me or with Carrie or another man or another woman who they're doing this together in life. They'll meet once a week. They'll talk about what Jesus is doing. Then on our own throughout the week, we'll spend time with the Lord and we'll come back and talk again. But friends, we are to hear from Jesus what the Father is saying through his word, through a still small voice, through what other brothers and sisters are saying. And we need to filter out the junk. There can get junk in there and we get, you know, bad pizza from the night before. Is that really God or is that me or whatever? We we filter that out. But nonetheless, pure Jesus is there. He's speaking. He says, expect it. It's a benefit of this kind of life. Another benefit, when we begin to hear from Jesus, sometimes we get so excited that we just heard from the Lord, we, we forget that he's God and we're not. We begin to kind of wield our hearing from the Lord. Thus saith God. We need to just take a step back. In fact, I'd encourage us to use the phrase, not that we don't have confidence. We can have absolute confidence what he says. I think the Lord might be saying this to me. It's reminding Brady that he's God. Brady's not. He is without error. I, I, I am flawed. I'm teleos, made perfect for my purpose, but, but I still have human flaws. But, but verse 16 humbles us. Jesus even tells us, we didn't find God, he found us. That's the next part there. When we begin to hear from him, we need to remember, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We aren't like God's best gift to the world, or best gift to God. We're not helping him out. He's helping us out. He came to us, we didn't go to him. We also will remember that what we have, what, excuse me, we will then begin to see he empowers us to produce fruit that will last. We don't produce the fruit. It's not short-lived fruit. It's fruit that will last. He comes to us. He finds us. He empowers us to produce fruit that will last. And finally, we'll see that then we'll be given what we ask for in Christ's name. Often one of the first things that jumps out when someone reads this passage of Scripture is verse 7 and 16. When can I pray? And then comes the Harley-Davidson in my garage that I want. He begins to chisel away at what my wants are, what my desires are, and he helps me ask for the things that are best. I thank God that he doesn't give me everything I ask for. Just like the child who so longs to have Skittles on their ice cream for breakfast, and the loving parent says, not a good idea for breakfast. So our father says, I know you think you want this, but that's not what's best. And he teaches us how to ask for what is best. As we come to a close this morning, I want to invite you to stand with me. In 73 seconds, we'll be out of here. Not yet. 70 seconds now. Would you stand with me? Come on, you can do it. Your legs aren't asleep. It's all right. Now you only got 68 seconds to stand, so it's okay. As we've met with the Lord today, it's my prayer each and every Sunday that this isn't like the sitcom wrap-up in 30-minute episode with Jesus. It just kicks off our discussion with him all week long. I'm praying that there will be seeds planted that spur you on to the deeper things he wants to teach you through this passage in other ways. But maybe today you're here and and what the Lord wants to say to you is, hey, you are a branch. Quit trying to figure out how to be. You are. You're a believer. You're a branch. My love will flow through you. Maybe Jesus is saying to you today, it starts in my love for you. Some of us are operating as if we have to start with God hating us 
God's severe judgment, it's out of his love. Others a takeaway today for you. Ask yourself the question, am I obeying? Well, I just want to talk about his love. Well, that's fine. You love him when you obey. Just stop. If, if you're not living in obedience, you're living in defiance. Allow Jesus to bring health and healing. Some of us, we need to say, Jesus, something coming out of my mouth is stinky. It, and I don't want it there. And I'm not too proud to say I need the Father to cut some things out of my gut. To begin to remove it. And I want your love. My love will never be enough. My joy will never be enough. I want your joy. I want your love flowing out of me. Jesus, I thank you for my brothers and sisters. They've listened so well to your word today. I pray that you will reward them with the truth that your word never comes back void. Would it produce great harvest in their heart today? Thank you, Jesus, for what you're saying. I thank you for the boldness to be obedient what you're doing in our, what you're doing in our life. Amen and amen. Thank you for your attention to God's word. Go, look for his love. Look for someone to love on. You're dismissed.